uh, thank you guys for being here. Um, man, so excited. It is Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. Man, so excited to be here. We've had awesome weekend so far. Uh, last night we had incredible services, or a, incre- an incredible service last night. Uh, about this many people probably here last night. Um, so we had like 25 first-time guests here last night in our uh, in our the first service we had. And then this morning, just absolutely blown away by God's uh, God's goodness this morning with a full house in the first service. And I'm mean, so thankful to see you guys here. And we're now also live streaming this second service, so thankful that you guys are watching online with us as well. Uh, for those that are in-house, if this is your first time worshiping with us, if you've never been on campus before, man, we just want to say welcome to you. We are so thankful that you've chosen to spend your Easter Sunday morning with us, and uh, we, we are so thankful we actually have a gift for you. And so in the lobby of our church, we've got a Lindsay Lane East t-shirt with your name on it. And so today, if you'll just grab the card from the back of the seat in front of you, it looks a lot like this. Uh, fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable with. And at the end of the service, take that card to Next Steps, which is the in the lobby there under the Next Steps wall, and just hand that to somebody with a badge on. They'll hook you up with uh, your very own Lindsay Lane East t-shirt and a little bit of information about our church. And that's just our way of saying thank you for being here. And we would love to get that to you today. Or if you're a guest and you've been here before, but you don't yet have a Lindsay Lane East t-shirt, fill one out anyway, and then you can drop it off too, okay? Um, and man, if you're watching online, uh, the best way to let us know that you're wash, worshiping for the first time is by clicking the link in the description of the video that says connect card, and that'll send you to a page where you can fill out the same information we're asking for here, and then uh, it'll allow us to, to get that information and a follow-up with you as well. So, uh, man, I'm excited to be preaching on Easter to you guys, uh, with you guys. Today, we're not going to talk directly about the resurrection, which is like the weirdest thing I've ever done. Uh, we're not going to necessarily just walk through the resurrection. We're not necessarily just going to walk through uh, just an Easter message. But I want to I answer a question that I think um, I've seen arise in the people asking this question. It's a question that's at the heart of every human being. But I think because of COVID, coronavirus stuff, uh, I think we've seen a rise in this question. And that, that is this, why am I here? Or why do I exist? Or what is my purpose? Right? And man, um, I've wrestled with that in my life, just struggling with what am I going to do with my life? I want to make a difference. I want to impact. I remember the first thing I wanted to be to impact the world was I wanted to play for the Atlanta Braves. I want to be a catcher, just like Javi Lopez, or a third baseman like Chipper Jones. That's what I wanted to be. And um, my parents loved, loved me enough or just weren't honest with me and they didn't tell me early enough, that's no shot. There's no way. Um, but I, then about 10 years old, I discovered that I was taller than most of the kids around me. And so basketball became a thing. And so I bet you can guess the decision I made for the rest of my life was that I'm going to play in the NBA now for the Orlando Magic. I'm going to be the next Penny Hardaway, the next Shaquille O'Neal. Right? Like that's, that's what I'm going to do with my life. And make a difference that way. And so if I can't be the only person in the room who had these just incredibly real heartfelt dreams, like playing in the major league and playing in the NBA. So I'm asking for three from the crowd. If you've never been here at East, I like to ask questions. And sometimes it makes for awkward comments, but we love it, okay? So I need three people to tell me what was the first thing you remember wanting to be 
when you grew up? What did you want to do with your life? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. All right, we got to find a radioactive spider. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. That's a high goal. All right, two more. A dinosaur. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. All right, one more. Not from Trey. Murray, help me, man. Okay. There it is. All right. Well, thank you. All of us have, all of us grew up with dreams, probably, of what we wanted to be, what we wanted to do. And uh, for me, I outgrew the MLB and NBA thing pretty quickly because I realized I had neither the talent nor the drive to pull it off, right? Sometime around the time I was 10 or 11, probably, I began to I uh, love the idea of being a writer. Um, uh, I, I was in a school and hanging out with buddies who it was cool to, like, not like schoolwork. Do I remember? Were you those people? So, like, the teacher would give you a writing assignment, and everybody would be like, oh, and roll their eyes. And I would roll my eyes, too, but deep down, I was like, yes, I get to write something. Because there was just something in me that enjoyed writing. So I thought maybe one day I'd write children's uh, books or something like that. Um, that hasn't come to fruition either. Um, but around age 15, uh, God began to, to really stir up certain gifts that I didn't even know I had that, that were very effective for ministry. Um, in the local church. And so um, I surrendered my life uh, to serve God through the local church as long as he would let me. And um, as much as I think that God has wired, built, and equipped me to serve as a pastor um, in the local church, I need you to know that is not my highest calling. It's not my ultimate purpose. And for whatever, whatever it is that you think about for yourself, this is why I exist. If it's, if it's a job like I talked about, or a superhero, or whatever it is, if there's a purpose that you think you have for your life, maybe it's not a job-related thing, maybe it's a, uh, it's a personality trait that you have, like maybe you're just the, the Miss, Mr. and Miss Hospitality, right? People love coming to your house, you love entertaining, that's the way that you impact others, is by inviting them into your home, or maybe, you, uh, maybe you're the person that makes people laugh when they've had a tough day, or you're the person that speaks that word of encouragement when they need it. Whatever the case, here's what I need you to know. None of that is your ultimate purpose. In fact, to settle for one of those as your ultimate purpose is forfeiting the greater purpose that God has for you. I'm here today to tell you, and I want to walk through very slowly some things today um, that are going to help us answer the question, why do I exist? What is my, uh, what is my purpose because what I wanted you to see today is that God has ingrained the exact same purpose into every single human being. And if we don't grasp it, if we don't live in this purpose, everything else doesn't matter. Uh, so if you have a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do our best to have the slides on the screen uh, for you as well. But if you open up to Genesis 1. Um, at this point, uh, we're going to jump in in verse 26 here in just a second, but at the beginning, uh, just to catch you up, Genesis 1, we see God create the expanse of the universe. He does so through, uh, through a framework of six days uh, that we see. And on day six, we see God creating um, the, the animals, the, the, the creepy crawlies, and then the animals that are running around on the ground. And at the, after that, we see God create uh, a specimen that appears rather unique. So let's read about the specimen uh, this this uh, particular animal creature thing, um, then I'm going to pray, and we're going to come back and talk about it. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Um, God, we know that uh, you have not given it in vain, um, but God, you've given it for purpose. And God, today as we talk about your word, as we dive into it, God, I pray that you give us clarity of mind. We'd be different because of the word that we've read today. We ask you to be with us and teach us to know you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, so the first thing I want to discuss, uh, first off, note takers in the room, haven't you missed an outline? Man, note takers? No note takers in the room. Oh, I see some nods. It's been like three weeks since you've had an outline. You're welcome. You're welcome. We had to go with a full bifold thing today just to make you happy. But you got an outline, okay? So there you go. And Bob J., I know you're watching this online. You're welcome too, buddy, okay? Bob J. loves his outline too. Uh, so point number one uh, that we're going to look at is our purpose. Our purpose. What we just saw in the text is that God has a specific purpose for mankind, and it is that we be image bearers, or that we be created. That we are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. That is our purpose. It's the way and the purpose that God created mankind from the very beginning. So the rest of the time, I want to talk about what that looks like. Then why we don't live that way, why we stink at it, and then how we can get back to it. Okay, that's kind of the, the scope of where we're going. So to understand what it means to be an image bearer, you've got to put yourself in the text. And so if you don't realize this, um, the Bible was not written first to you. It was not written first to you. The Bible is written by particular people for a particular purpose to particular people. We are secondary recipients of God's Word. And so if we're going to understand it for what it means for us, we've got to understand what it meant for them first. And so here's a little Bible trivia for you. Who wrote Genesis and the first five books of the Bible? Somebody throw it out. Moses. Moses. Okay, here's where there's some controversy. If you Google it, you're going to see a lot of different views. I agree with Jesus. Isn't that always safe? To agree with Jesus. Jesus said Moses wrote it, so that's who I agree with, all right? Not scholars, okay? Um, so Jesus said uh, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, which means he wrote the book of Genesis. Now, the question is, when did Moses write Genesis? Not a year, but a time frame. What was going on when Moses wrote the book? You may know. They were just leaving Egypt, and they were walking, making a 40-year journey to a place called Canaan which is the promised land. And it's in that 40-year period that Moses either spoke, dictated, and someone else wrote down, or he wrote down himself the truths that we see in the first five books of the Bible. And so that, if you haven't seen this yet, hang out with us here at East. I talk about context a lot. The context of the first five books of the Bible, that's what it is. Moses is speaking to God's people during this time. What do they have in the rearview mirror? Egypt. That's what they just left. They left Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. And who was in charge of Egypt? A man named Pharaoh. A man named Pharaoh. And so when Moses uses the term, God made us in the image 
of God in his image. That is not a new term for the Israelites, for the people of God, because they just left Egypt where there was a leader over the whole country, over the whole empire who said, I am the image of God. Now, to them, God was the sun, who they called Ra. Um, that, was the, that was the sun god. The, the main god of Egypt was Ra. And so Pharaoh represented Ra. You couldn't talk to the sun. I mean, you could, but it usually doesn't talk back, right? Um, you can't interact with the sun. You can't shake the, hand, the sun's hand. You can't learn about the characteristics and the values of the sun by looking at it, right? But what... What they believed is that their God, Ra, had a representative on earth, and he was Pharaoh. And so as you, as you interacted with Pharaoh, you were interacting with their God. You were, you were seeing, you were learning about the values and characteristics of Ra. And so all of that, so when Moses says, you and I, we look at it and go, what does he mean by image of God? The people of Israel are going, we get it. We totally understand because we just saw it in Pharaoh. Here's what I'm not, I'm not saying that Moses ripped off the idea from Pharaoh. What I'm saying is that Pharaoh ripped off the idea from God. From the very beginning, God created all of mankind. See, uh, the Egyptians believed that Ra had set apart this one type of person, these Pharaohs, these key leaders, and they were to be his representatives on earth. What the Bible teaches us is that the real God, our God, the God who created everything, actually didn't just set aside one small group or people with a particular family history or leadership style. God created every single person through all of humanity to be the image of God, to actually be his image bearers, to be his representatives on earth. We're to do the same thing. We're to show the character and values of our God. In Egypt, they had made Pharaoh an image of God and and, but Moses is saying we are all created in the image of the real God. To bear the image for all of humanity. To reveal God's character and his values. So the question is what does it mean to bear the image? If that's what we've been called to do. I want to show you three things that are found in the text. And, and one of them is kind of assumed. But I want to look at this. Okay, The first thing if you're a note taker and even if you're not, pay attention. Uh, the first thing is dominion. So point number A is there dominion. Okay, listen to this, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They'll rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. What's the one word that stands out there? Rule, right? And it comes up again in verse 28. He says, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. He says it again in verse 28. But who is it that God says is ruling there? Is it him? No. He actually says that it's humanity. It's humans. This is something that you and I, maybe we don't talk about it enough in church, but we know that God is ultimately in control and he's ruling over all of creation. But he actually says that it is the job of humanity to rule alongside him, to actually have dominion and to rule the earth. So in the text, we see the way that God shows dominion and control most often is by bringing order out of chaos. If you read Genesis 1, that's what you see. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 2, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Waters represented chaos to the Hebrew people. And what does God do? He begins to speak into the chaos. 
and order comes out. And so it seems from the text, if we're to, if we're to, if we're to rule God's creation, our job, no, I can't bring order out of chaos. I don't believe God was giving Adam and Eve the ability to control creation. But what he was giving them the task to do was to keep the order, to maintain the order. God had created an order of the world and he called mankind alongside of him and said, keep it. What's the opposite of maintaining order? Creating chaos. A little teaser for where we're going here in a second. What do we see humanity do more of now? Maintain order or create chaos? The answer, I think, is create chaos, right? But God has called us to come alongside him um, and to maintain the order that God had created, to deal with creation in the way that God had, um, and not add to the chaos of the world. And we'll talk about more what that means in a second. The second thing is multiplication. We see it in verse 28. God blessed uh, the, the humans, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so God gives them a task here. He not only said to rule the fish of the sea and all the things, all of the earth, he also says be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And so the question is, does that mean making babies? Yes. That means have children. If Adam and Eve had not had children, the Bible would be really, really short. So it did mean have children Right, that's what God was saying. And while it is reproduction, listen to me, it is not just reproduction. I've got two children in my house by the grace of God. But here's what I'll tell you. If those two, I pray that I invest in them and that I teach them and I train them in what it looks like to follow Jesus and that they become warriors for Christ. But if those two people... Those two little brats are the only people that I invest in in this world. I don't know if God could smack you when you get to heaven, but I think he'd want to. Right? I mean, yes, God has blessed me with these two children, and I want to raise them up according to Christ. But if if that's all I invest in is two people, I don't think that's what God has called humanity to do here. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Some of you don't have children. If all God meant was have babies and you don't have children for whatever reason, then do you just get a pass? No. Because multiplication, when God said be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, it was more than just have babies. It was invest your life in others. Show the character and the values of God to other people and invest it in them. Impact the lives of others. Our call is the same whether you have children or not. Invest in the lives of people. Throughout the Bible, we see God calling his people to do more than just have babies. They are to impact the lives of those who are already born here and around the world. That's why God's people in the Old Testament were called to live in such a way that the nations were drawn into a relationship with this God. And still to us as Christians, one of the most formative passages for us is the Great Commission. If you don't have it memorized, there's your homework. Easter, go eat, hunt eggs, whatever you do, and then memorize this verse. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have dominion. Right? That's what Jesus says. 
And then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. What is that? That's investing. That's multiplication. Investing the values and character of God in other people. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age, Jesus says. So if you and I are going to bear the image of God, we've got to multiply the value and nature of God in other people. And if you think just by having babies, you're being obedient to God, shut that down. But let me just ask you a question. If you're going to just have babies and not invest in them and train them and teach them what it looks like to follow God, are you maintaining order or creating more chaos? Can I just be straight with you? If you think your job is just make babies, then you're creating more chaos. You're not maintaining the order. Our job is to invest in other people. So we want to share with our children, but we also want to share with children of other people and adults here and around the world. The third thing, that what it means to be an image bearer, it's dominion, it's multiplication, but it's also glory. The rest of the biblical story makes it clear that the purpose behind our purpose the purpose behind our us being image bearers is more glory for God. You know what glory means? Glory means weight or heaviness. And so whenever we act and, and react in a certain way, whenever we live according uh, to being an image bearer, we, we, we share dominion by maintaining order and not contributing to the chaos of the world. And we multiply the character and values of God and other people. Guess what happens? God gets more glory. He gets more weight. He gets more heaviness, more importance in the, in the world. He's made great among the nations. People who didn't know him find out about him. People who didn't believe in him begin to. People who turned, had turned their back on him before return to him. Guys, this is why we exist as image bearers. That's why I've laid before our church a very clear, I believe, clear statement that we're going to drive to. And that is that it's our desire here at Lindsay Land East to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. It's what we're about. But can we just all be honest? We stink at it, right? Don't we? I mean, can you just, anybody in here want to say you're killing it at image bearing? Like, dude, you're, you're not gossiping. You're not, like, telling people to watch the news so that they get a little panicky and freaked out. You're not adding to the chaos. All you're doing is maintaining order. No hands there. You're multiplying like a beast. You're investing your life in other people all the time. Still no hands. In the forefront of your mind is always the glory of God. See, we, we stink at it. And so the question is, Why? Right? What is the problem? I've talked about what it looks like to bear the image of God, but I think as your pastor, I am at least willing to admit that dominion, multiplication, and God's glory are not always on the forefront of my mind. Oftentimes I get distracted by something. I get distracted by something and I wind up settling for a purpose less great than the greater purpose that God has for me. But I want to show you today through God's word that this distraction is more than a distraction. It's actually an inversion of the whole thing. Point number two, if you're a note taker, our distraction is the image of God inverted through sin. The image of God is inverted through our sin. 
So if you know the story of Genesis 1 and 2, they tell the beautiful story of God creating everything good. Everything God created was good. And it's beautiful, and it's a beautiful story. And if everything ended in Genesis 2, it would just be this hunky-dory awesome story. But what happens is that Genesis 3 happens, and things run off the rails. And then it continues all the way through to Genesis 11. Genesis 3 through 11 is the biggest train wreck of a biblical story that you'll ever encounter. It's tough to read. As Genesis 1 and 2 tell us about order and God calling out of the chaos order, what we see in Genesis 3 through 11 is everything returning to chaos. And Genesis 3 3 through 11 are bookended by really important stories that we need to talk about this morning. Um, The first one um, is Genesis 3. And both of these stories, both of these bookends, uh, we see humanity doing something that on the front doesn't seem bad. In Genesis 3, a man and a woman eat a fruit that they weren't supposed to. Anybody ever done something you're not supposed to? Did you think it was a big deal? I Like, my mom told me not to eat that Reese's cup. You did, James? James has done something before? Yeah. Like, I ate a Reese, don't eat a Reese's cup before supper. And I went and did it. Is that a big deal, really? I mean, is that, is that what's going on in Genesis 3? I'm going to show you that it's not. Genesis 11, God's, uh, the people on the earth come together to build a tower, and God loses his mind in a holy way. And like, is it, is that big, is it, are either one of these a big deal? I want to show you today that they are because they're an inversion of the image of God. In Genesis 3, we see that God, or in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God sets up the created order this way, okay? God's overall, right? And then who's next? The image bearers. Those that God has called to rule and reign with Him. So God, humans, and then the rest of creation. That's what we see in Genesis 1 and 2. And then, so if to, if to be an image bearer means to maintain order, the order that God had set up was Adam and Eve, live in the garden, but don't you dare eat from the fruit in the tree, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which sits in the middle of the garden. You can eat from any other tree, but don't eat from that tree. That was the order that God had set up. So as good image bearers, what should they do? Not eat from the tree. That's the answer. But let's see what happens. Verse 6 of chapter 3. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. And good to look at. Delightful to look at. It was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. What just happened? These two image bearers who were supposed to maintain the order that God had set up just returned. They just did the opposite. Why? Open-ended question. Who do they listen to? Okay, the story tells us it's a serpent. We kind of come to find out through the biblical story that this, this serpent represents Satan and his power in the world, or it was Satan himself, right? And so Adam and Eve have, instead of listening to God, right, they've listened to a beast of the field. They've listened to a created being Instead of God. And so for Adam and Eve to listen to the serpent and to do what he says instead of what God says, what has just happened? Right? Do you see this? Do you see the created order being flipped on its head? Adam and Eve are supposed to rule over creation. What did they allow a created being to do? To actually not just move up equal with them, but like to come above them. 
Now we're listening to a created being. Listen, this is important. Someone who was never designed to have dominion was given dominion. Okay? What happened to God? God was up here, remember? In this sin, what happened to God? Did He come down equal with Adam and Eve? No. They actually think they know better than God does. You see this. This is why, if you've ever thought, I mean, they ate from a tree. Is it really that big a deal? No, eating from a tree is not bad, even if God said not to. The deal was is they had flipped the entire created order on its head. They've sinned against a holy God, and they've, they've done so in a very, very dangerous way. God is no longer on top. Adam and Eve have placed a created being on top and have put God below them. And this is what happened. Adam and Eve get to eat of this fruit, and their eyes are opened. And they actually do experience something that they didn't experience before. But they realized that it wasn't good. What happened was they forfeited. And to gain a purpose that God never intended for them, they forfeited the greater purpose. You see that? Instead of listening to God and doing what he wanted them to do and continuing to be his image bearer, they said, this looks better. And they chose it over that. Now, I don't know about you. I don't make it a habit of listening to animals. Okay? In fact, I've told both services and I'll tell y'all, you need a game plan for when an animal talks to you. Like you need it in writing. When an animal talks to you, you need to have steps to take. My first step is to call my doctor and to set up an appointment because I need I need a checkup. If an animal is talking to me, I need a checkup. Then if he says, everything looks good, man, CT scan looks good, Everything looks okay. Then I'll come back and we'll find the animal. We'll finish the conversation. But on the front end, I'm not listening to it. And so you and I, we can begin to think, we can begin to think that, hey, I, I don't do this. But I'll make the argument that we do the exact same thing. So we may not listen to animals, but we've become animal-like. Something you may not realize, Adam and Eve had two sons. Their son, names were Cain. They had two sons on the front end. They had two first sons. Cain and Abel, okay? Uh, there's a whole story, a whole big deal that goes into it. But Cain gets jealous of Abel to the point that he actually thinks about killing his brother. And God comes to Cain and he tells him one statement. He says, be careful, sin is crouching at your door. And we read that, and I don't know about you, but I think of crouching. I was a catcher when I wanted to play in the MLB. Um, I was a catcher, and so like, that's what I think about. That's crouching to me. But in the Hebrew, the word that is used is, to, is the same word that would be used to speak of a lion wait, and waiting about to pounce on his prey. You see what Adam and Eve listened to a beast of the field. Their sons are becoming beasts of the field. And I, I would argue that's what's at the heart of every human being now. We may not be listening to snakes, but in our sin, we have become animal-like by giving in to our basest desires. When I'm hungry, I eat. <laughs> Caveman-like. I'm hungry, I eat. You make me mad, I yell. And I may punch a wall, right? Like We, we, we give in to these base things that are not what God intended us to be. They're not things that show the character and value of God. 
but we've bought into them. Adam and Eve, what they're experiencing is they're giving over dominion. They're no longer they're no longer uh, uh, following God's order. They're allowing it to go to chaos. And my argument is that you and I, we contribute a lot more to the chaos than we do maintain order. Like I've already said, through gossip, through arguments, through yelling at each other, through fighting over political mess, all the stuff that you and I do, 90% of what's on social media, dumb. And we're adding to the chaos, church. We're not maintaining the order that God had. We are being animal-like. Log on to Facebook and tell me that ain't a bunch of animals. I'm on it, but it's still a bunch of animals. It gives me something to laugh at during the day. So y'all get mad about it. I'll laugh about it. But anyway, okay. We have, we've done the same thing Adam and Eve have done. We've listened to the wrong voice. We've listened to our sinful desire, an animal-like desire within us, and we've given dominion to something that was never intended to have dominion in our life. And the story of sin continues through to chapter 11. Um, again, chapter 11 is kind of the bookend of the spiral, the downward spiral of humanity, and um, it reaches its peak with a story of humanity gathered together to build a city, with a tower as its epicenter. You may know the story as the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babylon. I want to read verses 3 and 4 of chapter 11, and we'll talk about it. They said to each other, Come, these are the humans, Come, let's make oven-fired bricks. They use brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Listen to the fear in their heart. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Listen to that language. And now let's flip back to the multiplication piece in verse 28 of Genesis 1. What had God called them to do? Be fruitful, multiply, and what? Fill the earth. You see it? He said be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And we talked about at the beginning that the reason he wanted them to fill the earth was for his glory. What do we see happening in Genesis 11? Do we see people filling the earth for the glory of God? Oh. Thank you. We see them gathering together for the glory of God. Nope. (laughs) They're gathering together for their own glory. Let's make a name for ourselves. Do you see again, when I first heard the Tower of Babel, I was like, it ain't that big a deal. They just built a tower. Why does God lose his mind? Why does he get so frustrated? Now I see it, don't you? Just as Adam and Eve forfeited dominion, what we see in Genesis 11 is that mankind is forfeiting the role of multiplication. Instead of filling the earth, we're gathering together in fear that we might actually reach more people. That's what they're doing. And they're also forfeiting the glory of God. I hope you see this. Because in our sin... We also do not seek to show the glory of God in our world. And we also don't seek to replicate. So you and I struggle with the very same things. Because of this, We again, I'll say it again, we stink as image bearers. Instead of replicating the character of God and other people through multiplication, we inevitably show everyone around us the wrong way to live through our sin. You need, you need evidence of that? Hang out with my kids. 
like at a theme park for five days or something like I've done the last five days. What you will see in my children are not my best traits. You will see the worst. Because sadly, I have also invested those things in my children. Confession, right? I've invested those things in my children as well, and I hate it. I want to take it out of them. But you can't. We do the same thing with the people around us, the people you fly off the handle at work at. I work with Kenny every day. Good night, y'all. It's a wonder I can even get out of bed in the morning. I struggle to come to the office. It's so hard. Pray for me. Our multiplication, the way that the way that we multiply, the traits that we multiply is counter to what God intended. And in our sin, we don't seek to show the glory of God. Our desire is just like the people of Babel. I want to make a name for myself. I want to make a name for my business or my organization. I want to make a name for my family. And I'm just going to be honest, the one I struggle with, I want to make a name for our church. Right? As your pastor, I struggle with that. I've checked my motives. Do I want the name of Lindsay Lane East to be glorified? Or the name of my Savior, Jesus. You see, when we seek to make a name for anyone other than God, we are forfeiting our call as image bearers for something much less great. What I've discovered in my own life is that when I show dominion, if I show any dominion in my life, it's probably trying to rule over God himself. Not the way that he intended it. If I show any multiplication in my life, I'm oftentimes multiplying the wrong types of traits. And if I try to bring glory to anybody, oftentimes it's myself and not God. This is the problem that we've created for ourselves. But that would be the worst sermon ever and the most sad thing if we just prayed and ended it. But there's good news. There is an answer to all of this. There's an answer to what does it look like to be an image bearer? God didn't leave us on our own to keep flailing as humans. He gave us a perfect example and a way to be made right. Point number three is this. We're there. We made it. Our example. Jesus as image bearer. Listen to me. Jesus modeled perfectly what it was to look like to bear the image of God in the world. He showed us how to follow God fully and completely. He brought order out of chaos. He maintained the order. That's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus walked into a Jewish environment, a religious situation that was chaotic. You had religious elite who were dirtbags and were not following God, looking down on people who didn't even know and could not know God. They had flipped the thing. And Jesus comes in and who does he speak kindly to? The people at the bottom. And who does he call dirtbags? He uses the word snakes. But anyway, the religious elite. Jesus is, he's he's reclaiming dominion for God. He also multiplied himself many times over in the lives of other people. At one point, preaching to 10 to 15,000 people, walking with about 100 to 150 people on a regular basis, and 12 men he invested a lot of time in, and then one, uh, really four men he invested a whole, whole lot in. We see Jesus multiply, 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 and he also lived his life ultimately for the glory of God. In Jesus we see dominion. We see multiplication and we see God's glory at work perfectly. 
That's why Paul could say in the, in, to, the, to the church at Colossae, uh, Colossians 1.15, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the image, the perfect image of God. And he also says he's the firstborn over all creation, meaning the, the prototype, the first of a kind, a new kind of human that we're supposed to follow. Jesus was more, but man, I'm so thankful that Jesus set an example of what it looks like to follow God. But man, I'm glad that ain't all he did. Jesus didn't just set the example for us. There's more to it than that. He also made a way for us to step into this purpose when there was no way. This weekend we celebrate Easter. Easter and the days before it represent the last moments of Jesus' life. And they remind us that Jesus didn't just live a perfect life. He also died, listen, in our place. Though he had no sin of his own, the Bible tells us that he took our sin in his body. And though he didn't deserve death, he died for us. And so through that death, Jesus brought forgiveness to dirtbags like me and you who didn't deserve it. He brought forgiveness of sins once and for all. He was the ultimate sin sacrifice that God would accept on anyone who would believe. But we know that Jesus didn't also just die for us. He was raised up for us. That's what Easter is about. In Jesus' resurrection, Jesus brought life where there was no life. His resurrection is the ultimate example of order out of chaos. Jesus, the Bible speaks that we too can, when we accept Christ into our life, we too are resurrected in a sense. We are given a new life. We are made a new man, a new uh, creature. All these terms that the Bible uses when we receive Jesus. And in this newness comes the ability to please God as an image bearer. Listen to the words of Paul again in the same book that we read from earlier. He's talking about salvation. He says, you've put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self. And then he says this, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Now he's going all the way back to Genesis 1, 26 to say, that in Christ you've been made new and now you can full you can begin this process of becoming the image bearer that God created you to be. Listen, this is purpose is the greatest purpose that any man or woman can take on. It's greater than any branch of science or education. It's greater than any military or government job. It's better than sales and service. Our calling from God is to bear the image of God through dominion, multiplication, and glory. That is the reason we exist. To settle for anything less is to settle for something less great. That life begins, that image bearing begins at salvation. And there's enough of y'all that I don't know and enough of you that I do know that I don't know. I don't know where everybody stands with Christ. I don't know if you can't even be an image bearer today. Because if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you've never surrendered your life to Him, then this idea of being an image bearer is going to be impossible for you. You must be made new first. Today, you can trust in Jesus. Place the full weight of your faith 
on who Jesus is. He'll change you and make you new. Then and only then can you begin to live as an image bearer and accept this purpose and live your life with the purpose that I get to live with and that so many in this room get to live with. If you've never trusted in Jesus, we actually want to show you that the Bible actually says it's simple. It's big and it's heavy, but it's simple. We actually have resources that we want to help you begin this journey with. But that takes with letting us know that you're ready to to accept Christ in your life and begin to live differently with his help. So we actually want to do that. We're going to sing a song. Patrick and the worship team are going to come up here in just a second. And uh, we're going to sing that song. During that song, I'm going to stand up front or be here on the front seat. One of the two depends on when you decide to come. But I just want to talk with you. If you've, if, you've, if you've never trusted in Jesus and you'd like to today, man, don't leave this place without coming and talking to me. We just want to help you get started on this journey and give you some resources, pray with you, and help you do it, okay? Um, so during this song, you can come and talk to me about that. You can also just come, man, if you, if you know that you're a Christian, but hey, your baptism's out of order, or you, just need, you want to be baptized as a believer in Christ, we'd love to talk with you about that. You don't have to be a member here for us to talk about baptism. We'd love to talk with you about that. We'd also love to talk to you about church membership. We talked. I talked to a family after the first service this morning who's ready to, to, to come alongside us, arm in arm, and join this church family. We'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. If you member here, come in here, and you're not serving anywhere, come talk to me about that. We'd love to get you started serving in this church and using the gifts that God's given you. You can also just come and bring any burden to the Lord. You can kneel here at the altar, pray there. On behalf of yourself or someone else, or you can talk to me about any needs you have. But I'm going to say a word of prayer. And after I pray, let's stand and let's sing. Um, If you're like me and you're a Christian, wrestle with those three ideas. Am I maintaining order or adding to the chaos? Am I multiplying the character and values of God and other people with intentionality? And am I living for the glory of God? Wrestle with those things during this last song. Let's, Let's pray, stand. And respond, Father, we love you, God, and we thank you uh, that you have given us a clear picture in your word of what it looks like um, to follow you and, God, to be your image bearers. And, God, I pray, um, God, I know that if Lindsay Lane East is going to impact this community and the world, it begins with, uh, with looking like you've designed us to be. Um, God, I pray that Easter 2021 is a moment that we can look back on. I know it is, I pray it is in my life as a, as a turning point for me. God, where I began to get serious about the things that you've called me to be and do. So begin to show dominion and, and multiplication and glory to you in my life more effectively and more fervently than I ever have. God, I pray that over the people that have gathered here, God, whether they call East home or not, I pray that you've stirred in the hearts of believers here. God, I also pray, God, as you did as you did in my life when I was young, God, you changed me. God, made a way so that I could be who I am today. And God, I know if you had not changed me so many years ago, uh, God, I'd be living for a purpose less great than I get to live for now. God, if there's anybody here who's who's not trusted in the name of Jesus and they're settling for something less great in their life, God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts and draw them today to seek this greater purpose. I pray that you'd give them the courage to talk to somebody before they leave.
so we can help them take those next steps. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for what it represents, the resurrection of Jesus. And we pray that we honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name.